It's a long way from the fields of County Westmead to the streets of Buenos Aires, the elegant capital of Argentina. But it's a journey undertaken 150 years ago by thousands of young Irish people from the farms of Westmead, Longford and Wexford. By far the biggest number went out from Westmead. They sailed to Buenos Aires, a spectacular and beautiful city where there is often music in the air and dancing in the street. The temptations of Buenos Aires didn't detain the young Irish for too long. They were bound for the countryside, the Pampas, a landscape of natural green grass, millions and millions of acres of it. The Irish migrants had grown up on the grassland farms of Westmead. They had very little to learn about farming the Pampas. Dare Healy, a historian and Government of Ireland scholar at NUI Galway, has traced the beginnings of the Irish-Argentina connection. Some of the roots of the Irish migration to Argentina can be found in um, a group of international merchants working, many of them Irish, but working within the, the British Empire and with, in the British commercial world, um, would have set themselves up at the end of the 18th century um, with branches all over uh, Western Europe and the, the Americas. And uh, South America at this stage was becoming more, um, gaining more commercial freedom from the Spanish administration. Um, and at this stage, these merchants would have decided to set up a branch in Buenos Aires. As they saw the commercial opportunity opening up in Buenos Aires, they realised that um, raw materials were, were central to the trade, to the export trade. Um, Argentina is a very fertile agricultural country. Uh, its main exports would be meat and hides. Um, so at this stage, these businessmen realised that the most profitable business would be in agriculture, and so they encouraged the immigration of farmers. Um, the Irish farmers, of course, would have been quite skilled. Now, you have picked one family of farmers, for instance. Um, well, if I look at, for example, uh, your own relatives, Joe, uh, the Murrays, who went to Argentina in the early 19th century, what's interesting is, is to look at their journey uh, from Westmeath all the way to Buenos Aires, which took them a total of three months. Um, they would have gone, the, the canal, as you told me, ran through their land. Uh, they would have taken this route to Dublin, um, from there to Liverpool, and from Liverpool across to Buenos Aires. They went out there to farm, which was a, a bit unique in Irish migration, really, and they must have farmed pretty well. Um, they seem to have been very successful. The majority of the Irish people who stayed on in Argentina um, were able to buy land at quite an early stage. Um, they moved into the south of the province where the, the land wasn't too good but eventually moved west um, to the better land. Taking, of course, and this has an interesting dimension to it, um, moving into land that had just been acquired by the government on the frontier and which was, in fact, up till recently had belonged to, to the indigenous population. Of course, the downside of this story of success is a story of exploitation. It is, of course, and it's particularly ironic in the Irish context where they would have left in Ireland with most of the Catholics would have had an identity as, as the colonised. Um, and then when they reached Argentina, they became the colonisers of, of indigenous land. Until I met a Westmead cousin at my father's funeral in 1997, I had never known of other cousins in Argentina. 
My relations in Ireland never bother too much about writing letters or keeping diaries. It seems that those of them who went to Argentina were much the same. As far as I know, contact was completely lost for more than 150 years. All I had was a lot of curiosity and a photograph of a headstone. A very Irish-looking headstone given to me by my cousin Connie Cleary. Many years ago, she had taken the picture in San Antonio de Areco, 70 miles or so west from Buenos Aires. San Antonio de Areco is the symbolic centre of Argentina's gaucho culture. The gaucho was and is the South American equivalent of the North American cowboy. Several of the ranches or estancias around San Antonio cater for visitors with food, music and an impressive display of gaucho horsemanship. We joined a group of about 50 visitors. Some of them were senior students on a local school outing. Gaucho music and dancing has a big following, particularly in the countryside. The footwork has very little to do with the delicate and graceful steps of the urban tango. Then, for a few moments, the sound became more familiar. Then it was time to see the legendary skills of gaucho horsemanship. A ring suitable for a lady's finger was suspended from a crossbar. The task of the riders, in turn, was to gallop at full tilt, standing in the stirrups and run a lance through the ring. If he succeeded, the young horseman got to present the ring to the girl he most admired. It was incredibly difficult, but if you want to be the boy of every girl's dreams on the pampas, this is what you do. It was coming towards evening and the sun was slanting into the cemetery of San Antonio de Areco, where I hoped to find the resting place of John Murray. But how was I to find a single headstone in such a big place? The patron saint of San Antonio is, of course, St. Anthony. He finds things. I tried a word with him, and maybe it worked. Well, now on a summer evening in the month of November, but summer in South America... I find John Murray. Sacred to the memory of John Murray, native of Kenny, parish of Mullingar, County Westmead, Ireland, born on the 24th of June, 1777, and died the 30th of July, 1863. His wife and children have erected this monument to his memory. John, it took me a long time to catch up with you, but I'm very glad to find you now anyway. And beside you is a Mary Murray Mooney, Born at Milltown, County Westmead, Ireland. No doubt another relative of yours and a relative of mine. And I hope you're all resting in peace. And as far as I can see, you are. 
and not very far away, a little yellow clover, a little yellow tree-leaved plant. I'm picking it up now. I'm pretty certain this is shamrock. <laughs> Don't tell me that the Irish brought the shamrock with them as well. There are so many Irish in this graveyard. And certainly the shamrock is among friends. As I left the cemetery, I met an old Irish Argentino, Matteo Kelly. There were no Murrays alive in San Antonio now, he said, but there was a family of that name 20 miles away at Capiche de Senor. It was worth a try. Well, now, if I'm really lucky, this is a Murray house. I don't know at this stage, but I'm going to know very soon. Hello. Oh, hello. Uh, would your name <laughs> by nice any name. chance be Murray? Yes, I am Mary Rose Murray. Oh, well, that's marvellous. I'm Joe Murray. May I come in? Yes. <laughs> I'm Joe Murray and I have been searching for you and searching for relatives uh, around this whole area. And I heard about this particular family. Yeah. Um, let's let's just talk about this, okay, uh, this family. Thank you very much. Oh, you have a beautiful home. Oh, and lovely shade outside um, I as try, well. I try to be uh, each day more uh, better, the, the garden, no? The garden is lovely. Yes, I tried. <laughs> uh, maybe I could sit here and we can talk. Now, tell me who you are because I tell you who I am. I'm Joe Murray. I'm descended from people in Westmead. Some of them came out to Argentina. And I have just been looking for the connections. And I think it's very likely now that I have found a connection. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, well, I am descended from John Murray. And uh, my grandfather also lived here. And my parents live here. And I live here now. So you, for an Argentine farming family, you have a very long tradition living on this land. Yes, yes, yes. Four generations, I think. No? Yes. And this what? is a very flat farm. And... Uh, uh, is it a good farm? Can yes. Tell me a little about yes. the farm, because uh, that's also interesting. It's a very, they say here in Capiche that it's like an oasis. That is a very, very good land. And it, uh, we are very pleased to live here, and we love it very, very much to live here. I walked in the garden with Mary while we tried to find our places in the family jigsaw. At the very least, it was enjoyable guesswork. Back in Buenos Aires, I was told of a meeting of Irish-Argentine women. They were the Senoras de San Jose, descendants of the earliest Irish settlers. I might find someone who would know something of those elusive cousins of mine. I found more than I bargained for. Now I'm talking to Sylvia Kenny. Sylvia Kenny has a glass of champagne in her hand. <laughs> I have a glass of champagne in my hand. <laughs> We have good reason to have glasses of champagne in our hand at this reception. Tell me why. Well, because I'm meeting a relative of mine. I'm here, my family arrived here around 1832. So my relatives are very far away and I have never been in contact. But oh, surprise, I was very, very glad to meet that there's a relative of mine who's uh, on my father's side, my great-grandmother was Honoria Murray, Honor Murray, who she was married to uh, James Kenny, and she was a trolley woman. So uh, we all are family descendants, very, we all have our memories of her. I never met her, but we have stories of her. She was a trolley woman, a pioneer. She lived in San Vicente with her husband, 
And the husband uh, died when she was expecting her ninth child. Well, surely because the moment she, uh, the, the ninth child was born, she went off outside the border of the Indians where land was quite cheap. And there she found her, her estancia, estancia San Diego, she called it, because, of course, the San Diego is the translation of James, and the, the husband was James. So in the memory of her husband, she named the Estancia San Diego. She was extraordinary. For the time she died at 92, she, owned, she went on buying land, so she became quite rich. At that time, it was um, in the sense of leagues, but uh, at least at that moment, uh, it must have been four leagues, around 10,000 hectares. So, mm -hmm. And then she bought more in Lobos. She would tell the children, look, we are going to eat nothing but puchero. Puchero is a very cheap and simple meal because I've, she would go on saying, I've seen my land in Lobos, another place that I want to buy. And she went on buying land. The, the children had a wonderful time. Another thing, she, the, the children, nine children, who lived around 1880. At uh, that time, Argentina was very well. So they all went to Europe and traveled and were not keeping the, her example. They w did not go on buying land. In other words, I think she spoiled them. <laughs> that was Sylvia Kenny, brought up on a farm on the Pampas, but now teaching law in Buenos Aires. A man who will never leave the land is Jimmy Ballasty, with roots in Wexford, Clare and, of course, Westmead, and roots deepest of all into the soil of Argentina. My great-grandfather, Pat Ballasty, was a farmer when he came out from Westmeath in 1864. He uh, came out to some cousins of his, uh, ha the Ham family, from uh, Arrecifes, and he went to an estancia there, and he started just minding uh, sheep under uh, a big uh, wagon in the middle of the Pampas. And uh, as they used to do in those times, instead of uh, paying them... Uh, paying them a salary, they just they used to work a year around for a percentage of the lambs. And then they allowed them, they generally allowed these people to uh, keep their own flocks. So he kept on minding uh, the ham's flock and, as, and at the same time he was minding his own flock. And so he got to have an enormous flock and in 1883 just uh, 19 years after he was here, he got to buy uh, 600 hectares of his own land. And how much land are you farming now? Well, we, ha we haven't got that original farm at all. Uh, uh, we're ten brothers and sisters, so the farms kept on dividing up and we haven't uh, been able to hold on to the farms, to the original farms. But now, this year... Uh, we are farming 2,500 hectares of, of land with soya, all agriculture, soya, wheat and maize. Apart from being a farmer on your own account, you are also a manager of land on behalf of other people and some of these other people are in Ireland. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, it's, uh, well, we, we have always been in contact with Irish people and uh, last year, uh, some friends of ours from Ireland, uh, they started uh, 
looking at the situation in Argentina, and uh, they couldn't believe the yields and uh, and the good production that there that there is here, and uh, the competitiveness of of our uh, soil and of our uh, crops. So uh, they decided to to come into this business because it looked like a good year, and well, they're going to have a very good reward for their for their adventure. <laughs> That's a calandria. Apart from the bird song, I can hear the hum of the, the bees. The and of, of course, um, honey is a big production in Argentina. Yes, uh, we are the principal exporters of honey of the world also. We are first in honey, first in maize exports in, in the world. We are uh, first in sunflower oil and uh, sunflower seed exporters of the world. A huge agricultural producer with a huge potential. And a good future. That's right. That's what I, we all believe and hope for. That was Jimmy Ballesty, farmer and farming entrepreneur in Argentina. Economist Tony Levy also has his roots in County Westmeath and relatives in Argentina. He's had a lifelong interest in the Irish migration. He reckons that the success of the Irish in Argentina was all because they got a good start. The most prominent Irishman in Argentine society and most revered by the Argentine people is Admiral William Brown. He founded the Argentine Navy. He fought the Spanish Navy in the War of Independence and he's very revered in Argentine society by all Argentines. And then two others with what we call an important agricultural connection. Well, the two people who managed the Irish migration over a period of 30 years in the middle of the 19th century were Father Antonio Fahey and Thomas Armstrong. One was a Catholic priest and the other a Protestant banker. And they managed the migration over a 30-year period and really put a lot of effort into making the Irish migration to Argentina the success that it was. Now, there are kind of characteristics of the of the Irish community in, in the Argentine. Yeah, the Argentine society is a very sophisticated European society. And the Irish are a privileged group privileged elite in that society. They still have maintained their Irish characteristics and they still meet and there's an Irish society there. They meet every year. A large gathering of six or seven hundred Irish meet every year and it's an Irish gathering. It's the same as a gathering here. They still speak English with Irish accents, mostly Westmead accents. My grandfather came down in the year 1862 and uh, he came down alone. He never knew any more about his family. And he, he came down here, and he married Anne Gilligan in the year 1872. And that and was the, the start of the family in this that, country? That's, that's what started the family in this country. They had three children, my father and two more. I find it hard to believe not only are you not Irish, but you were never even in Ireland. No, I was never in Ireland. But I feel myself more Irish than Argentine. From here to Suipacha, where our farm is, there's 30 kilometres. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you that uh, between... There was only two farms that weren't belonging to Irish people. Well, tell me, when you were young, 
what was the language in the house, what were the things you did and what were the things you talked about and what was the connection with Ireland? Well, we were very connected with the Palatin Fathers mm-hmm. and they used to come down from Ireland and they used to bring us all the news and all that and that's why it, it, it was other times. It was other times, very hard to travel and all that. We were very connected with uh, with the Irish community. Well, when you were young and in your home and playing as children yes. and, and talking to your mother and so on, yes. what was the situation with English then? It was all in English. My mother was had good, very good Spanish. My father had poor, very poor Spanish. Mm-hmm. Your father had very poor Spanish, although he was born in Argentina. He was born in Argentina, but he had very poor, it was awful poor. Mm -hmm. My mother, no, my mother was Casey, of Irish descent, and uh, she had good Spanish, yes. But we we had to learn the English. Tell me a little bit about your farming, because you inherited a farm here, and you've been farming all all your life. All my life, yes. So what? do you do? Well, uh, I finished, now I have cattle, but mm-hmm. it's a small place. Mm-hmm. I get the impression that you've had a, a good life and that you're a happy man. Uh, uh, yes, a happy man, yes. I'm happy by two things, uh, by descendant of Irish and a farmer. Teresa Reddy now on the train, a journalist with the Southern Cross, a very important newspaper for the Irish in the Argentine, and we're heading to the Encuentro. Just tell us very quickly, what is the Encuentro? Well, the Encuentro is a meeting of all Irish Argentine that come to this place. Now, today is the Harling Club, and they come from all over the country, from the north, the south, 600, 700 kilometres and we're heading there now, and yes. I'm certainly very excited about it. We'll meet people from everywhere. Yes, you'll meet people from Bahia Blanca, from the north, from Salta, from the south, from Bariloche, and from Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the importance of your newspaper. It's a very unique newspaper, an English-language newspaper. Yes, it, 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 it commenced being an English language. It was uh, founded on the 16th of January of 1875, 1875 by Monsignor Dillon. Monsignor Dillon was an Irish priest that was sent by Father Fahi to help him here with the missions. So he came here and he, between all the things he did, he founded a newspaper to keep all the, the, the Irish that were here in the Pampas united. The, the, it had news from Buenos Aires, it had news from all of Irish people that were living in another place, and it had news from, the, the, from Europe. And it started as a completely English-language yes. newspaper, and now it's mostly Spanish. Yes, it started completely news in, in English, and it and it, it was every every week you had a edition, and then every 15 days. And the 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 thing that now it's it's more in Spanish because the Irish Argentine left out speaking English. So the society is changing. Yes, it's changing. It's changing because long ago an Irish man used to look for an Irish girl and marry her. 
but since a few years ago, they marry Italians or Spaniards, and the, 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 the language was lost. But it's still a very important newspaper for that community. Yes, that community feels themselves yet Irish Argentine. Although their mother is not Irish descent, they feel themselves Irish Argentine. And they like to publish their baptism, their births, their weddings, and send notes about gathering or any social event. Will we hear lots of English at today's gathering or will we hear more Spanish? No, you'll hear more Spanish. The Mass will be in Spanish, the sermon in Spanish. You won't hear much English. Perhaps you'll hear a record in English or people singing English, but not, you won't hear. You'll hear perhaps people that come and speak to you in English, but between ourselves we speak mostly in Spanish. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to today's Encuentro. Thank you very much, Teresa. No, thank you. Thank you and welcome to the Encuentro. Pero también hay cosas en las cuales se pierde luchar y poner lo mejor de su temple, de su coraje y de sus genios. Con el Papa, nuestro obispo, sacerdotes y toda la Iglesia para que su testimonio nos mueva a servir a todos, a nuestros hermanos. Oremos. Charlie Brady, president of the hurling club of uh, Buenos Aires, but no hurling. <laughs> not hurling. We are not playing now hurling. We are playing rugby, hockey, and uh, tennis. But uh, a long time ago, we played hurling. This club, the name of this club was uh, the Hurling Argentine Federation. Something happened to stop the hurling. Yes, the Second World. Mm -hmm. The first war, first, and the second war, then, the Hurley's importation was forbidden. So we couldn't play. So it's still a very active club and still a very successful club. Yeah, it's a very, very successful club. Tell me your name. Jose Brendan Wallace. If you were still at home, you'd be called Joe Wallace. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Okay, tell me the circumstances by which... Uh, your father came to the Argentine. What was the background? Well, uh, the conscription of the the English were going to take him as a conscription for to go to the war. So old uh, uh, Peter said, "No, I want to give a son to the English for to go and defend the English." So he sent him uh, out to Australia, and then he met this uh, man. My father met uh, this Jewish man. Halinsky was his name. Uh, so he told him, no, don't go out to Australia because the 
take you all to the conscription uh, easier than if you stay here in Ireland. So come out to Argentina. And as I say, my, my father knew he had uh, relations here in Argentina, he'd come out here. August and each time a kind of Shorsha Kenny, Shorsha Kenny on Argentine. Rugume, August Togume, and Cho in Argentine. Bime Folum, Leblian, Tanishak, Neil Moron, Agum Fos, Bime Folum, Anish, Bime Folum, Gachlo, and Digan too. And you certainly, as well as Irish, you undoubtedly speak English. Uh, well, of course, well, I picked up some English at home, you know. Like, uh, I, I'm not, probably I'm not quite fluent, but I, I can just get along with my, my English. <laughs> when you were a child, did you speak English or Spanish in the home? We mixed. We spoke English and Spanish, and besides, I spent five years in Brazil, so uh, my, all my school was in Brazil, so Portuguese was my language as well. So you have a lot of languages. <laughs> a bit uh, international, I'd say. <laughs> Carmen Reddy, you're a teacher. You teach English. Yes. Uh, in a way, you teach a special kind of English. But tell me that story and tell me how it goes back in the family. Well, my father and my parents are... Um, my father was a son of Irish, Irishmen that mm -hmm. came from Ireland. My grandparents all both came from Ireland, from Westmead. And, um, well... My mother spoke only, the most was English. She didn't speak hardly Spanish. But she your mother was school. born here. Yes, and my father also. But my father learned, he was a teacher, so he learned Spanish well. But my mother worked in the farm, so she remained with her father and mother, or parents, and brothers and sister, one brother she had, and they spoke only English. Mm -hmm. I teach English here in the Argentine because... It's not difficult to teach. Um, the teachers here can't, they know a lot of rules, but they can't speak to the pupils. I'm able to speak with them. <laughs> Going back in the family, yes. then, I mean, at one stage, they all spoke English and they spoke only English. Only. Now, it's changing as the generations go on. Yes, because my children, until my father lived in the year 80, the 80s, he died. Uh, they heard all, I spoke, follow on, spoke in, in English with my father. And and they used to hear that. And my eldest son, that today he's 34, he understands well English and he can speak it. The others understand, but they don't speak it much, very little. Kathleen McCoy Hughes. Yes. Um, you were brought up on a farm, in born a on a farm? In a farm, yes, in Monte, province of Buenos Aires, down south. And... At what stage were you going to school? Was it during the 40s? In them times, there were Irish people more so. We had a mist called Mr. Duffy. Mm -hmm. He used to teach us English at home. Mm -hmm. So he was, uh, we were kids yet, no? So we learned some things in English. But then, at a certain age, we went to St. Bridges College. MBA, Buenos Aires is very known. Uh, a, a boarding school. A boarding school, yes, and there were Irish nuns in that school. So you never went to a country school before no, you went No, 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 we never went to a country school. We never went to a country school. And was school. that common? It was common there. No, no, because uh, a lot of Irish had, there were Irish schools or, that used to keep, there was Keating, Mater Misericordia, 
St. Bridget's, and there all the Irish used to go to them schools, and they had to live in the school. Every Irish family decided to send their ch- Irish children to those Irish schools. Now, who am I talking to here? To Dora Lujan Dolan from San Miguel del Monte. It's a town, a camp town. It's 100 uh, kilometers from Buenos Aires, down south. Your people came out here when? My great-grandmother and grandfather. You have the Irish accent? Did yes. you speak Irish When as a I child? went to Ireland, they told me, no, you're from Ireland. You never... No, I said, I'll so- show you my passport. I never, never left the co- my country, Ar- uh, Argentina. And they said I had the same brogue and everything. <laughs> Because we spoke English from, from small. My mother used to say that before we learned Spanish, we learned English. Has life changed very much on oh, farms now? Oh, yes, yes. There's nobody in the camp now. You mean there's very nobody few. in the countryside? That's si, what you people si, call si, it, the camp. Si. We you... call it the camp. Mm-hmm. The camp! Yeah. <laughs> and you, when you say there's nobody there, I mean, people are still farming. Yes, there's somebody, but not like before, that there was a house, hundreds of houses. There are a lot, a lot of people that left their houses and came into the town or went away. Or um, We, uh, my husband and myself, we have no children, and when we got old, we came into the town. Now we live in the town, and we have our camp. And it, does he still farm, or is it rented? We have rented? it rented, rented, mm. yes. That's quite common, I think. Yes, 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 yes. See, see. So you can get a living from your farm, even though somebody else is working it? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I have it rented and when we couldn't work anymore and we were far and in winter the roads uh, are bad and you can't travel and so. Are you satisfied with life? Yes, very. I was very happy in the camp, very happy. And I loved it. I used to say I'd never go to the town, but... Well, you're happy in the town now. Yes, very happy, very happy. Thank God. Juan Devereaux, Jack Devereaux, I think you're calling yourself to me. Um, Your family is in Ireland, in New York, and in in Argentina. Argentina. I wouldn't say Buenos Aires, because they're also in Rosario. Mm. Tell me about the Argentine branch. Uh, My father's family came from Wexford, Devericks, which I also had to check out how they pronounce it, because some of them say Devereaux and Devericks, from Wexford, which I visited in 1999. I thought it very, very touching, very strong feeling when I was there. And my mother's family come, Lynches, Lynch Carberry, they come from County Westmeath, where I still have relatives. Well, you're a teacher now, you teach literature. Yes. Um, what sort of connection do you feel with Ireland? I mean, you are a citizen of the world. Well, uh, the, you would laugh if I tell you. I teach English literature according to the curriculum. But I would should say I teach Irish literature. Because as I'm free to choose in the part of poetry, it's all William Yeats and uh, Thomas Moore, etc. And the same with, um, now for instance, for the IGs, Seamus Heaney, all his poetry. So it's either Oscar Wilde or uh, Bernard Shaw, but I always put in the Irish. A lot of Argentines, a lot of Argentines here today, of course, have have very strong links with Ireland and feel those links very strongly. Um, Now, a lot of those are people who work on farms and so on. I'm talking now to really a citizen of the world, but you feel just the same. 
I don't know if you mean that. I feel I'm Argentine, of course. I was born in Rosario. I'm here. But I, was, I always heard everything about Ireland. And I had a lot of connection with my grandparents. Exactly not my grandfather and grandfather because they died young, but their brothers and sisters, grand-uncles and grand-aunts in Navarro. I know you mentioned that here because the Irish settled all around Buenos Aires City in the country, the camp, we call it here. And uh, they spoke English the way they speak it, the Irish accent, absolutely. Their Spanish was very, very, uh, with a strong accent. They were foreigners. And they kept talking and meeting among themselves and getting married among themselves in the community. That's how I come to be uh, Deverex McDonough, my mother, Lynch Carberry. And if you go up, it's uh, Murray, Murphy, Watson, Hughes. I have a Hughes, a Watson. Watson is not really 100% Irish, but... They're all Irish, and I have the connections up to when they came from Ireland. So I'm, my blood is 100% Irish, but it's the third generation born in Argentina. And my first language, of course, is Spanish. I went to school in Spanish. But we keep the language, and we keep our folklore music and dances and love for Ireland. I went to Argentina looking for cousins, and I was happy to find them. But I was delighted to find not just cousins related to me, but a whole community related to us, an Argentina of the Irish, an Ireland in Argentina. On the Sunday before I came home, I sat under a jacaranda tree laden with purple flowers. The location was Recoleta, the area around the world's most beautiful and most cheerful cemetery with its splendid tombs. I always wondered why everyone who visits Buenos Aires goes to Recoleta. Now I know why. I have some relatives in there too. I don't know if they were listening. On that sunny afternoon, I had enjoyed tango, gaucho and Irish music in Argentina. Now I was listening to two unemployed musicians and their tune was entirely appropriate to those inside the railings and those like me still outside the railings. After you've gone.
If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.